blending families and finances in a second marriage. Welcome to Common Sense on the Prairie, a podcast dedicated to helping you demystify the sometimes complex topic of money. I'm Adam Cox, head of wealth management for the First National Bank in Sioux Falls. We're a community bank based out of South Dakota. In this podcast, we share expert insights from around the country and stories from our local community to arm you with the tools you need to make better financial decisions. Because the truth is, the more we talk about this stuff, the better off we're all going to be. Welcome to another Howie Money episode on the Common Sense in the Prairie podcast. If you've seen this show before, you've likely noticed that we talk about all things related to personal finance, even if the topic isn't the most comfortable. This episode is no different. Today, I'm so excited to be talking with my friends, Jamie and Kurt Tates. Like many people, Jamie and Kurt were each married previously before going through a divorce. What's unique about their story is how, from the very early days of their relationship, they have been so intentional about how they blended their lives, their families, and their finances. Now married for over six years, Jamie and Kurt walk us through how they merged their finances and the keys that have made this union a success. And before you dismiss this episode as only pertaining to those thinking about getting remarried, I can assure you that everyone can learn something from Jamie and Kurt's story. What a gift it is to share it. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Jamie and Kurt Tates. Jamie and Kurt, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Perfect. All right. We're going to start this episode or restart every episode. Let's start at the beginning. What was money like for each of you two growing up? Kurt, you can start. All right. Um, money was tight. It was uh, tough. It was, uh, um, you know, things were lean hmm. and uh, we didn't have the best of everything. Grew up in a 1200 square foot house and uh, I shared a room with my brother and honestly, it, everything seemed great. Yeah. You know, there was no issues on that. Uh, certainly was, uh, uh, you know, struggle to find, you know, money goes, we, we were on a budget. We knew what that was, but uh, it was tough. Yeah. Jamie, how about you? For me, it was kind of, we talk about kind of two different tales and it depends on the age. So my mom had me at 17 and so it was just her and I, and she was a single mom. My biological dad is not involved in my life at all, nor did she get any support from him. Um, So I remember moving in with my great grandmother. We lived with her and uh, she helped take care of me. But to say money was tight was an understatement. Uh, my mom put herself through night school, worked a full-time job. And so there, there wasn't a lot to go around. And then at age five, um, she remarried my dad okay. who is my dad now. Um, and I remember like, I tell the story that if you asked about one thing in my childhood related to money that I remember, it's mm-hmm. Denny Moore beef stew. <laughs> and some people are probably <laughs> chuckle, right? They, but oh, some people man. know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And, for us, I knew it was tough when the Dinimore came out and that we, we all would split that like for dinner, just a can of, wow. you know, in my head, I don't remember thinking like we were poor, right? but when you think back on it, it was every little bit mattered, right? Every dime yeah. mattered. And so that was my first, you know, kind of recollection of like, oof, times must be tough. The Dinimore's mm. out. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, I do know what you're talking about. And I, I <laughs> there I are be- people listening that know Denny Morse. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Can you, as you think back to your childhood, can you think of any other pivotal money moments, good, bad, or indifferent? Kurt? 
for me, I, I remember, I recall really well at a, at an age where, um, a lot of my friends had name brand shoes, for instance, and Converse was a big name when I was growing up. And I really wanted a pair of Converse. They just were too expensive mm. until I found a pair that was on the clearance rack, but they were two sizes too big. <laughs> I had to talk my mom into letting us still get those because it was, you know, like $7 or something like that back when um, I think, you know, we we're paying $5 for shoes or something oh, yeah. along those lines from uh, Zares or, you know, <laughs> whoever the, the discount store was. And that uh, it was a big deal. And I had those, I finally, finally grew into them. But I mean, I remember getting like shoe polish because they were white shoes to polish them back up. So they look new again, because uh, that's all I had for the year. I mean, yeah. you got one pair of shoes for the year and, and that's what you wore. So to me, that was a big deal. And recalling that I wanted to get a job. I wanted to make money so I could get my own things like that. So that drove me to at an early age of uh, 11 to get a paper out just mm. so I could make money on it and you know, have some of my own money to do those things because it wasn't getting handed out to me by any means. Yeah. And if you went to our mudroom right now, it looks like a shoe store bomb <laughs> went off. So <laughs> kids don't, our kids don't have the same need the of same the shoes. Issue, just to be clear. My, how things have changed. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Jamie, um, how about you? Yeah, for me, it's very vividly. It's probably late, mid, late elementary school. And after church on Sundays, my uncle kind of lived right near the church in the small town. And we used to always go to his house. And I remember being there and, you know, we'd, we'd leave by like noon on Sundays. And my parents said, well, we're, we have a surprise right on a Sunday. And nothing usually really happened on Sunday afternoons. And they said, we're going to go buy you a bike. Mm. And I just remember thinking like, what? Like this was a huge deal. Cause up until that point I hadn't had like a real, like big kid bike. And I remember going to the store. I can tell you every aspect of that bike still to this day. I can see it. But I remember in that moment too, also thinking this is a big deal. Yeah. Like for my parents, it's a big deal. Not just for me to have the bike, but I knew it was like, I was almost conscious as a child of like money, but I wasn't conscious of it. Like I, but I knew it was a big deal. Yeah. And and so that was a pretty pivotal moment. There was one other moment where I remember just getting a toy for no reason, but it was something I really wanted. And my mom just surprised me with it. And I just remember thinking, wow, like they, like they, this, this is a splurge, right? Yeah. For them. Like this is something kind of out of the ordinary. Yeah. And so it was that consciousness of money with those certain things, I think really early on. Hmm. You know, Kurt, for what it's worth, I have a daughter that wears white shoes all the time and she always has the white shoe polish out. So um, some things haven't changed. Well, at least they perfected. I think when mine, it was like a bright fluorescent color. So <laughs> they're much better now. Yeah, our exactly. Kids, I, I'm not sure our kids have the same ethic of like keeping their white shoes clean. No, no white shoes white no. anymore down there. <laughs> um, so as you were growing up, I'm always curious to, to know this about families because every family is different. Was money talked about openly in your families? Yeah, when this is an interesting question because, like I said, I, I was conscious of it, but I don't remember it being like the focal point of conversation. Um, my dad and my dad and mom both worked before my mom got her degree. They both worked at the same manufacturing plant, and they mm. were both laid off in the same year. Mm. And I do vividly remember that because I was kind of a latchkey kid. I remember both of them being home, and it was like, wait a minute, why are they both here? Right? That's not normal. Um, 
you know, I remember my dad always driving a beater car, but never really talking about why I was so embarrassed when he picked me up from school and like the beater that he took, you know, to work. But what was interesting about me growing up is my mom got a degree in accounting and then eventually became a financial advisor, mm. which is really where the money story changed pretty dramatically for our family. Yeah. Um, so she was an entrepreneur, had her own kind of practice. And it wasn't until that that I really start remembering, you know, that was kind of late middle school, high school, I remember her talking about money. And one of the things she drilled into me was you can have everything, you just can't have it all at once. And you can't have it all now. It was kind of that she wanted to raise me in a way of like, don't want for everything that everyone else has, you know, want for things later in life, right? Like the yeah. nice car. And the, because if you have it all now, what do you have to look forward to down the road? Yeah. Well, she had such an incredible perspective on that too. As yes, you moved into being a financial advisor, she got to see not only her own financial life and situation, but that of a lot of other people's. So, wow, what an incredible experience to reflect back on your family. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Kurt? And then for mine, I mean, money was always a, it was the only reason my parents ever got to a fight that I ever saw. It was just around money. So for me at that at an early age, it was impressed upon me that, you know, don't have those financial woes. And uh, my dad had my mom on a budget and she really didn't know, you know, where the, you know, what was coming in. She just knew what she had for a budget and uh, that's what she kept to. And if she went over that budget, then uh, it was, you know, it was an argument. Like, mm -hmm. why did you go over this? And I recall even like, you know, needing to, uh, um, wait to buy, you know, shoes or something like that. till I'd like duct tape my shoes together. You're like, it needs to be next paycheck that, you know, we'll go mm -hmm. shopping for that. And that wasn't get the nice ones. That was to get the ones from Zares. <laughs> yeah, sure. But I, I do recall early on when I did get my first job out of college and uh, you're, you're, you're not making great. You're just getting by on that monthly basis. And I got that first raise and I was talking about like, I'm gonna go buy a car because I, I had a jalopy at best that I bought from a junkyard and had reaccordion back out just so it would close the hatchback on it. So I wanted to get a new car and, and my dad's like, no, put that everything away into retirement. Mm -hmm. And he said, put that raise amount every year until you're at the max. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I did. So it was four years later before I got a car, but it was the smartest thing to do. And now like, you know, maxing out the 401k on a yearly basis is the first thing we plan to do. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you know, pay yourself for that later on. And, and he did that and he, you know, ended up retiring at an early age mm -hmm. as a oh. result of it. Oh, awesome. Thank you for sharing that story. So the reason why we're doing this episode today is really to highlight something that not a lot of people talk about. Um, mm -hmm. a lot of people get divorced and a lot of people get remarried. And the reality is that it is really, really difficult to not only merge your lives, but to merge your financial lives when you're getting remarried. And that's something a lot of couples struggle with. And so when you're young, we know it's hard enough to combine your financial lives when you don't have anything. <laughs> you don't have any kids. Right. You barely have jobs. Like it's not a big deal and it's still an issue. And so right. we're going to talk through the logistics today of how you two did it. Uh, which is really, really interesting to me and which is what drew me to your story. But before we do that, we're going to start with the fun stuff. How did the yeah. two of you meet? Playing sand volleyball. <laughs> like everybody meets, obviously. Like, yeah, yeah, right. The old-fashioned yeah, right. way. Yeah. And we still play every now and then. Yeah. It's a little harder the older you get, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's how we met. 
athletic things is kind of our thing, yeah. I guess. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I love that. So as you started dating, how quickly did you start talking about money and how did those conversations go? I guess I don't remember. Okay. All right. Yeah. He's smiling. So he has a better story. He here. Uh, so <laughs> in, a, in the very beginning, you know, it's the, the gentlemanly thing to pay for the meals. Sure. So we were going out and I did, you know, more than my fair share. And then <laughs> Jamie being phenomenal is like, no, I, I'll get this one. I'll get this yeah. one. Yeah. So doing those on a regular basis, there's certainly a sense on both of ours that, you know, we're going to go do something and it shouldn't be my responsibility. It shouldn't be hers that it's a joint shared thing. So when we got more serious in our relationship, we decided it was, you know, kind of had a conversation to open up a joint savings account that on a monthly basis, we both put a set amount in there. And that's what we paid everything, the things yeah. we did together yeah. from. Yeah. So, which felt really great that it wasn't one-sided for either of us mm -hmm. in that yeah. regard. So that's what started that portion of it for okay. us. Yeah. Well, as we talked the first time about this, there were kind of three big things that I pulled away from your story that I thought were really interesting. And that was one of them was, and, and actually all three of these things happened before you got married, which was really, which is mm -hmm. really interesting. The first was the idea of setting up a joint account before you got married. Mm -hmm. So obviously the logistics of doing that as you're dating and trying to share expenses um, are obvious, but what else did you learn through that process of kind of dipping your toe in the water and combining finances for the first time, even on a smaller scale? I think it was a little bit of, you know, it, as most it, people have gone through a divorce, a divorce can be financially devastating, yeah. right? To a lot of people, it really changes your retirement plan, right? When you thought you were going to retire, there's just so many things. And, um, I, I'll admit, even growing up with a mom who was a financial advisor, she'd kill me. But I mean, I didn't balance a checkbook and I didn't live in a budget. And, um, you know, we we lived within our means, right, very much. And we put money away. And so we never really worried about it. And so I think that was the biggest adjustment for me um, with Kurt was like, oh, we're going to like budget and we're going to like talk about where the money goes and, and what it is. And I'm grateful for that. I, yeah. I really am because it was never a shame or we can't do this or we can't do that. It was, it was, a very logical because he's very logical conversation and i think it just started me on this path of kind of understanding that there's a lot of planfulness you can do that makes you feel very safe yep. and and the joint checking account or, or you know savings account was a very initial thing and a small thing but it it made me feel secure that we both kind of were okay talking about money i guess yeah well, and, and also it was very important to me to build up a savings net Mm -hmm. So something that we had that uh, um, she had started her own business that she could at some point say no to somebody. It's like, I don't need this to make, we've got the money in the bank. Right. We can get, you can say no to this person. We can still, we'll be fine. Right. So I wanted to get that as, you know, just security so that we could have one year of one of us not working and none of our bills or right. our concerns change and you could still march forward on that. So as we were putting together that budget, then you, you're putting together like what has to go out, you know, the house, the insurance, uh, cars, um, kids, all that sort of stuff, medical. And then you're left, you know, what? okay, what's left over and what of that do we going to use to, oh, we can go out for dinner how many times a month and spend X on a dinner. 
And because we also want to get to putting this amount away. And when you first see it, you're like, oh, we're going to put this amount away. It's going to be great. And you get down to adding those other things up and you go, oh, that's not near enough that yeah. we need to be put away. To, yeah. you know, ultimately, you know, retire one day and be you know, comfortable in retirement. So you start scaling back when you can and to say, you know, don't need this. Let's, you know, we're fine with what this is here. Yeah. And I think you're probably going to say one of the steps, right? Was we, we bought a house and went into a mortgage before we were married. Yeah. And so a lot of the budgeting stuff came up because it's a really big decision. And we have a family of six. So it was not a small house right. that we bought, right? Yeah. To, to blend our families. And, you know, everything he's talking about, I'm just smiling because at first I was like, poke my eyeballs out. Like, why are we talking about this level of budget? Right. I'd never done this before and never really worried about it. But what I started to realize was his, um, and it's probably because I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a little more, I take risks. Right. And, And he's not as much, which is a good, good yang and yang, but he was so focused on how much money we had put away to cover if someone got sick, if, you know, my business took a turn, if he lost his job, if whatever it was, all these things that I was like, ah, we'll be fine. And he was the one that really got us into the financial state we're in by just being like, let's just tighten up here and there, right? Yep. Put a little more away. And and that's that safety and security as an entrepreneur now looking back, right? Yep. Over the yep. last nine years, I can now make the decisions that he's talking about and make the big decisions in my business because, he's kind of given us that kind of steady foundation yeah. to be able to build that on. You mentioned to me before that you found a lot of security and you just mentioned safety in that. I think a lot of couples, when they have conversations like this, because everybody approaches money differently and you two are, are no different to that. You're no exception. Um, and so that can create conflict, but it sounds like for the two of you, you really respected each other and the, the way you approach money and um and, and made it work it, was that a was that a big thing does that mean something you talked about like how did you arrive at this place where it was like we're cool with each other approaching money differently and it works for us i don't remember like one specific moment um but but just to be clear i, I think in full transparency it's not like all of these conversations were easy conversations <laughs> so Right, right out of the gate. Right. <laughs> well, right. they, were not. Uh, they were hard because it was like, well, I enjoyed that, right? Or I'd rather put more here. Right? And so there was a lot of negotiation and, and kind of getting to something compromise, I yeah. guess. Um, and it's constant. It's not like it's, I mean, I'd like to say we're not quite as good at the budgeting. We put a lot more away, but we're in a different life stage, right? So yeah. we're super comfortable. And so I, I think because of what, you know, Kurt was really adamant about, it kind of gave us that foundation that now have we ever, I can't, I don't remember a time like arguing about money. I'd even go further to say Jamie's switched to the other side to push us to put more away. Interesting. To say, no, 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 let's, let's do this instead. Let's put this money away or let's apply it towards this because we have higher interest on that and get that paid down or off. Right. So she's gone to the other side on that. So not that, I've, look, not that I've, not that I've gone crazy. <laughs> the dark side. I, I yeah. My silly things side. I want, like jet ski or something. Yeah. <laughs> he, he has certain things, and yeah. I think in any marriage, yeah. there are those. His stuff tends to be bigger ticket items. Yep. And but he's not the guy that's going to go shopping every week, right? Yep. And so for me, I don't want the big ticket items. I want the stuff kind of just ongoing. And so I think we just respect each other for when those things come up. We kind of know that there's been some collateral put right things have been kind of put aside to be able to prepare for that yeah diane and i are the same way 
um, I, I, I'm more big ticket stuff randomly yep. and, um, yep. and she's not, so that's fine. It works. Um, so you joined checking savings, then you moved into a house together. The third thing you did before marriage, which I found to be the most fascinating was mm-hmm. you went through the state planning process together. Why did you decide to do that? I know it seems crazy now. We, it didn't seem crazy. That's when we were doing it. Well, and this is before we got married even. Yeah. And uh, so it was a, a little bit on the, you know, part of this is because we've already gone through a divorce and now we're remarried. Um, but we had to close off what we had done before because everything was left to the other person. So part of this was as we, if something happened, didn't want to have the house to go in limbo that we were right. buying together that uh, we want, we need to have something in place to make sure the other person is comfortable with that. Um, so that kind of drove us to doing that. Um, but it, it, they were, we had two separate uh, um, statements. I mean, they, you know, joined since then more so, yeah. but uh, yeah, we, we had went through all that just to make sure the other one was, was fine in an event yeah. that a bus hit one of us. Yeah. And I had always had, we'd both had wills in the past, but we'd never had full estate plans. Okay. So this was the first time going through that with both of us. And part of it was, you know, Kurt is older than me. So he had more earning years. He came in with more kind of 401k type retirement plan funds. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was this discussion around, right, we're both bringing in two kids to yep. the, you know, two each. And if something happens, and we really put it in time frames, if something, mm-hmm. we built the house, we wanted the other person to kind of make sure they could stay in the house, keep the, you know, as much normalcy as possible if something were to happen. Sure. But it was also like, we're not even married yet. So if something happens next week, I, it's not going to me, it's going to your kids, right? Anything pre-marriage, because we weren't even married yet. Like we weren't kind of at that stage. And what we committed at that point was then every five years, and we've, we've stuck to that. We've done it. We've done a refresh of it because as we get further and further along in our relationship and our marriage, yep. things might change, right? And how we feel about what's going to be left to a trust and what's going to be left to the other person. And so we're just being very honest and kind of open about that process progressing. Mm-hmm. Um, as we go, you know, our jobs look very different. We've we've had to have conversations about my business. Yep. And now what happens to my business if something happens to me? Kurt steps in to run it. My kids have ownership, right? So like there, we've had to think through a lot of hard things that most people wouldn't get to yeah. until everything hits the fan, which yeah. is then you're leaving it to your family and a bunch of drama at that point. Having settled hundreds of estates in my career, um, I've never seen any drama. No, not once. No, you haven't. That's amazing. <laughs> no, I don't know what you're doing, happens. but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Never happens. Well, yeah. I think the other thing that, that happens for you guys, and, and you should be a, your poster children for how estate planning should work uh, by revisiting mm-hmm. it at, at different stage gates of life. Your kids get older and they go on their own and they become independent. And so then you're not thinking of their guardianship and, and those sorts of issues as well. So um, they're very, very healthy. And, and one thing I just will add to going through that process. So it wasn't like, this is going to be exciting, like talking about if you die and if I die and right. And well, I want to keep my money for my kid, right? They were tough conversations, but having someone facilitate you through that. Yeah. But what it also did is instead of it being a negative thing, like I remember us sitting with the lawyer and Kurt saying, you know, I just want to make sure she's taken care of. Mm-hmm. 
if something happens to me. And that's a whole different level of love and commitment, really. And so I share that because people think it's such a negative thing. And there can be a lot of positive and caring about each other that comes out of that conversation. And that's really what it's about. Any kind of a financial plan and an estate plan is making sure your family is not left in limbo or can't pay off, you know, a mortgage and, and be able to stay in a house. And I think you've got to get through the hard stuff because it's worth it, right, to have that safety and security. Yes, it is. Good for you. So as you sit here and reflect on your journey together, are there a few things you can point to that have made this a success financially? I think the first one was having the guts to combine everything. Yeah. We still have people we know that are divorced and remarried and have separate checking accounts. And again, to each their own, right? But we have talked about it, like how in the world does that work? Mm. From a trust standpoint, from a typically you're not exactly the same income earners, right? And that kind of stuff, like you're either, for us, you're either in or you're not, right? So so that I think was the biggest thing. And then we had to have help. You and your team have been a help, our estate planner. You have to have other people that help us kind of define our philosophy because we each came in with separate philosophies on debt, how much to put away. And the, the other side too, on working with you guys is you've done this, you've had to have this come across before. This is not the first time this has right. happened. Right. You know, we've done some of the groundwork uh, of doing that. So that brought us mentally to where we need to be, yeah. to where we're accepting of the other person's opinions, thoughts, and how they see money. But you know, we, we you get to certain things where you agree on like, well, what, well, when are we gonna retire? What would that look like? So if we want that to happen, then this is what we need to do now. So, you know, taking some, you know, short-term pain for the long-term gain. Not a lot of couples have done the work that you've done to think about these things um, beforehand. They just kind of, life gets busy, right? We all get busy. You have careers, you have kids, you have other responsibilities. You're now taking care of aging parents, like all of it. How important has it been for you two to sit down and talk through, to dream together and and talk about goals and alignment around a a vision for your future? It's been super important. And again, I I use the lens of I'm an entrepreneur. Yeah. And so I'm taking risk every time I hire someone, right? It's, It's a really big financial commitment every time we, anything that we do. And there's no way I could have built my business to the level that I've built it if we didn't have the safety net, right? And in kind of that clarity together of like, go do it, go take the risk, like, cause it's going to benefit us in the long run. Um, but if we didn't have kind of this, this, this strong financial foundation, I don't think I'd be able to do it at least and not sleep at night. Yeah. And so I do both very well. I make the decision and take the risk and sleep at night very well. And so I'm super appreciative of that. Uh, it's, it's something that it is such a source of stress that I don't even think people relate it to stress and what it's actually physically doing to you or your yeah. relationship. And so I'm just, yeah, I'm grateful. I think so too, is we haven't set our lifestyle out to be, you know, what we can do as opposed to what's really good and allows us to, to keep putting that away. And the, the larger that account gets, the further that stress of what Jamie's talking about that we don't experience. Yeah. So um, that's been very helpful for me. But we're thinking, and, and your team has been a help with this, Adam, too, is we're thinking longer term and we're not making finite plans, but like a second home, 
we're constantly, we know where we want it to be. We're kind of doing our research and it'll be five years from now, Yeah. but we know where we want it, right? And we know we can do it. We already could do it now, but we're like, nope, let's, you know, we want to get to a little different stage and let's wait. So I think it is helping us dream about the big trips or the things we want to do before we, you know, can't do them anymore. I think is a big decision or in discussion for us. Yeah. So let's end on this one. You've been through a lot. You've gone through an incredible process and you have such a great lens that you look at this stuff through. Um, So first of all, you need to be commended for that. Um, And what advice would you give to someone who's listened to this, who maybe has gone through a divorce and is thinking about stepping back into a committed relationship? Where would you, where would you lead them? I think the smartest thing we did was doing the checking account. I think from my standpoint that, and we picked an amount that we put it on a monthly basis and that's what we kept to our spending too. Mm -hmm. And it kept it very, because we were, we were committed at that point. It kept it very fair. The other things that you did that, you know, I never questioned her on what shoes or jacket or whatever. Like that didn't come. And same with me. I had, whatever sporting goods things I wanted to get new shoes (laughs) that we didn't question on. And as we got closer to doing that, then we we did have a threshold where we say, let's discuss this amount with the other person. Sure. uh, If you want to go get this and what makes sense. Um, So I thought that was a real good game changer for us. Gave me a sense of uh, that. We're both in this together. Yeah. I think the words that come to mind for me is respect and trust. So by doing that simple account, it made us trust each other. He didn't necessarily know everything else at that point that I was spending money on or, you know, but then when we moved into the house, then it was, you know, or got close to that decision, then it just increases the trust and, you know, more money came together. And it was just this kind of, it didn't feel, it felt right. We just did it at the right pace. Um, But the other thing that I think is really important is we had different philosophical and and money backgrounds coming in but it didn't have to like we didn't have to both believe the exact same thing or have the exact same values around money coming in we were just willing to talk about it right it, before it got to a point where we needed to make a big purchase or we right something got stressful i think it's the proactiveness and there are a lot of partners like you guys that can help you guys help help people navigate some of that stuff too. Yeah. But I think, you know, being willing to talk about money is is a skill we all need in relationships, whether it's with our kids, with our spouse, with our aging parents, as yeah. as as money the money is changing and yep. you know, throughout your life. It's the hardest thing, but it is very rewarding when yeah. you do it. I think in the rewarding side, it is, it's like there's a comfort level, there's an ease, there's no stress after you go through that and talk about that. And I re- recall Jamie Beard saying the same, hey, this Saturday, it's not going to be a fun conversation where we got to talk about, you know, what we're going to do with our, you know, the state planning. Mm. And you're even talking about, you know, when one of you passes, like what happens there? Yeah, it's not a pick-me-up not a great conversation. (laughs) Me being older, it's likely I'll get there before she does. (laughs) Yeah. So it's like, oh, even more morbid for me. But yeah. uh, but you have those and afterwards, you know, you, you agree on it. Like this was good to cover. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Awesome. Let's leave that there. Um, I want to thank you too, for sharing your story. This is not something that people talk about very often. Um, it's not easy to talk about money and marriage to begin with. Um, and like, like I said earlier, it's hard enough to deal with this stuff when you're young and you don't have anything, but it's 
something entirely different when you're a little bit later in life. You've got established careers, you've got families, you've got obligations to to other people. And the the approach that you took, while someone may listen to this and say, well, I wouldn't do things that way, that's totally fine. This is what worked for you guys. And that's awesome. And there's value in that. And I know people are going to learn something from this episode. So thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for being here. And uh, I really appreciate you. Thanks for inviting us. Thanks, Adam. Yep. I hope you found this helpful. If you did, please subscribe and share with your family or friends. If you have a topic you want us to cover in future episodes, send us a note through our website. And if you're at the point where you want an expert opinion on your finances, reach out and we'd be happy to start a conversation. And remember, any comments, insights, or strategies discussed on this podcast are intended to be general in nature and therefore may not be suitable for you and your situation, whatever that may be. Before acting on anything we discuss, please consult with your attorney, CPA, and or your financial advisor.